You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum as always, and we're down to one final week, one more game for the New York Giants in the 2019 season before we dive into the offseason and prepare to discuss so many things that we're going to be covering over the offseason. But we do hope you had a wonderful holiday, and we're back here with the one show during the week, giving you a preview for the upcoming matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. So this game is going to be at 425. It was flexed from the 1 p.m. slot into the 425 slot just because Philadelphia beat the Dallas Cowboys and now they need the victory against the Giants to put them in the playoffs, making this game a little bit more interesting. And also the Giants surging over the past two weeks give them a little bit of momentum and also playing them close in the previous week might give them a little bit of additional momentum, making this game have a lot of implications on it because Philadelphia definitely needs this win but for the very reason that this game was played so recently three weeks ago we are going to be doing things a little bit differently today we have some different discussion points things that we typically don't do in the preview show and the overall approach is going to be talking a little bit about the things that worked against the Redskins and also those points are very similar to what worked against the Dolphins how those things will carry over and then also what we learned from the loss a few weeks ago and what the Giants need to take from that loss if they want to earn a victory here. I was going to say, I just kept feeling this all day today. Yeah, Weren't we just here? Didn't we just do this? It, it, this really is just a, a quirk of the schedule maker's design where we have two divisional games in really less than three weeks of each other because the last one was on Monday night football. I, I think I would probably have rather they split these games up a little bit more. Uh, I'm fine ending in Philly, but maybe could we have had the first one back in September or October when we had Dallas and Washington the first time? I don't think the schedule makers are going to listen to me. So yeah, let's get to this. This game could be this game will be very consequential for the Philadelphia Eagles. For a for the Giants, I would say less so. It will likely matter for their draft positioning that it's going to have a, a lot of moving parts right now because of their wins over Miami and Washington over the last two weeks. There's also the, the fact that this is a young team. A lot of them are going into their first off seasons as Giants. They spent a lot of this year losing and finding new and agonizing ways to lose games. It would be good, while a loss would probably be good for the franchise over the long run, a win would probably be good for a lot of the roster that will be here next year. 
Yeah, the the key thing here, and I I know a lot of fans, not a lot, but there's a a group of fans that are upset over the fact that the Giants have been winning the last two weeks, and they'd probably be upset in talking about this game in the sense of they should try and win this week. And as Carl Banks on WFAN, he had a problem with it. Uh, Lawrence Tynes also had a problem with it. And I also, frankly, do have a problem with it. This isn't basketball. This isn't a situation where you play 82 games and you hope to lose as many as you can. And there's only two and also in some cases only one player worth drafting in those top spots. And if you get anyone later down, it's a lot more of a crapshoot. But this is is the NFL. And winning games is important for establishing culture. And while we think that Pat Shermer is going to be gone, establishing culture and having momentum going into next season I think is very, very important. And additionally, too, with the whole draft selection thing, if you move back one slot, which is all that's going to happen if the, if they happen to win this game and what happened from beating the Washington Redskins, I get it. You miss out on Chase Young. But at the same time, the NFL draft has so much talent in it. You can find somebody at the very end of the first round like Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to take a quarterback, but you can find guys later on in the first round that can turn into all-pro MVP caliber players in any any draft. You can also have guys selected very early on that turn into busts from injury or just not being prepared to play at the next level. We have no clue yet if Chase Young is going to be perfect, if he's going to be the second coming of, of Lawrence Taylor for the Giants. It's better to go out there, win a football game, never intentionally lose, never be upset over a, a loss for your team. Yeah, and we should mention when it comes to tanking, losing on purpose, whatever. That is a strategy of front offices. And I would say, considering the nature of the NFL, very, very secure front offices because the NFL really is a win now or else league. Tanking, losing on purpose, those are not things that even enter the mind of players. Their goal is to win. Yeah, winning is is always an ultimate emphasis in the NFL. This is not a sport where tanking really turns out good. And I think the final reason why, though, this game matters is that wouldn't it be nice to go out there and spoil things for the Philadelphia Eagles? At least the Giants aren't playing some random team this week or if they were um, facing off against the Redskins and it meant nothing. It'd be so nice to spoil things for the Philadelphia Eagles. But that being said, why this game does have some implications on it and why you really shouldn't be hoping for a loss here, we're going to go into the offensive and defensive game plan with the ramifications that we discussed in the beginning of the show. So talking first on offense, our first discussion point here is what really worked for the against the Washington Redskins? Why was the Giants offense able to be so productive. We talked a little bit about this stuff in the Quick Take show, but after being able to digest things and think things over, there were some things that really stood out. The first thing is being very run-heavy, leaning on Saquon Barkley, allowing him to take over a game. He had 189 yards rushing, and running a little bit more towards the outside and not up the middle. That Those things and being a little bit more run-dependent really, really worked for that Giants offense uh, against, the, against the Redskins. Yes, it did. Uh, part of that is you know, Washington put on a clinic of just how to not defend the run. So if the Giants could somehow figure out how to convince Philly to do that as well, that would be a big help. 
I would even simplify that just a step further and say lean on Saquon Barkley. Whether you are running him or using him as a receiver, which we saw the Giants do, they actually got him the ball downfield, saw him run a wheel route, which is something he does only infrequently. Just figure out ways to get Saquon the ball, whether it's in the run game, those off-tackle runs that he has always excelled at, uh, in screens, wheel routes, angle routes, get him the ball in space and minimize the number of defenders he has to try to beat. What we saw against the Washington Redskins was really the peak of capability for this Giants offense. And if you if you look at how these teams match up comparatively, the Redskins and the Eagles, I would argue that they're very, very similar in the sense that the Redskins had a very good defensive line and pass rush. The Eagles have a very good defensive line and pass rush. Where they lack talent is at the linebacker position and being able to defend the run, which I would say is relatively similar on both ends. So using exactly what worked against the Redskins could very well work against the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think in emphasis too on that in, in establishing the run and being run dependent and also being Saquon Barkley dependent is important for figuring out what works for next season and and making it clear that you can't have an offensive game plan that doesn't solely feature Saquon Barkley as the go-to guy. In in general, it needs to be a lot of off-tackle runs between the guard and tackle. Also, that kind of stuff will work. Screens, anything out of the backfield for Saquon, but besides getting to Saquon some screens to Caden Smith, that worked a little bit nicely. Whoever, if Red Elson is potentially maybe available, getting him him the ball through screens, those things will work because the Giants have the athletes. It's just sometimes the protection has not entirely held up. Yeah, and that is one area where we saw it the last time these two teams met, one area where Philly just does excel with how their defensive front is built, and that is getting penetration, be it in the run game or in the pass rush. You know, we talked about this a lot the last time we previewed this game. Is they have a very deep defensive line. They are basically eight deep across the board, and pretty much everyone there can get penetration. They can make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Now, I happen to have football outsiders up right now, and Philly has their third-rated defensive line run defense, giving up just just three and a half uh, yards in adjusted line yards, basically how much they allow opposing offensive lines to pick up. And we know how good their pass rush is. And I think the one difference between Philly and Washington is that Philly is generally much better coached than Washington has been. I wouldn't expect them to have the breakdowns in discipline and uh, just gap assignments and all of those things that you really need for run defense. I wouldn't expect to see those from Philly's defense. Certainly being well coached helps them. And that's the one big difference we'll see compared to the Redskins. But now talking about the things we learned from the previous loss that happened a few weeks ago. First thing that we learned in that game that is important for this one is that they had a lot of trouble covering Darius Slayton in the first half before they made adjustments to prevent him from getting the ball further. He was pretty much eliminated against the 
Miami Dolphins, or not the Miami Dolphins, the Washington Redskins, rather. He, would, he didn't really contribute much during that game, but the Eagles had a lot of trouble covering him in additional speed. So using Slayton and, and using go routes to create separation caused problems for corner those corners that have struggled over the past few weeks against more talented, bigger receivers. Those types of plays as a change of pace will create huge spa- splash plays and pick up huge chunks of yards, yards. Now, I'm not saying you use that consistently, but here and there, you know, every 10 plays or so, try and take a shot will work well against this Eagles team. The problem with their defense, as good as their front has been, that is how bad their secondary has been. And this isn't a new problem. This isn't a 2019 problem. This isn't even a, sec- a second half of 2019 problem. You know, they've had to deal with injuries, but their secondary just has not been very good for a couple years now. And that's something the Giants do need to exploit. They have not consistently attacked Philly's secondary, but they need to. The other thing that we learned from the other loss, sorry, the, the loss a few weeks ago, the other thing that we learned from here is that you shouldn't pull out from the running game early. You shouldn't alter your plans and decide to revert back to throwing the ball too much. They ran the ball well in the first half and they were getting decent production out of Saquon. He wasn't able to pick up as many chunk plays as he was against the Dolphins and the Redskins, but he was still able to pick up those yards, those first downs here and there, doing what he does best. But for some reason, they started to move away from that. And we've always seen whenever the Giants do that, it causes a lot of problems for the offense. It's the identity of the Giants offense is not throwing the ball 50 times a game. Now they do it way too often, it doesn't mean they should be. And we know for a fact that that it does not work that often, especially with Daniel Jones. He needs a little bit more relief. He doesn't need to be throwing the ball that many times. Let Saquon get as many touches as possible. Yeah, and I I would say that might be the biggest difference from the last time these two teams met. It looked like Saquon was rounding into form just health-wise. We know now he is healthy. He is agile. He is explosive. And he is fast. Yeah, again, we mentioned this already once. Lean on Saquon. Use him. Use him in the passing game. Use him in the running game. Let him touch the ball 30 times. Whether it's runs, whether it's receptions, just get him the ball and then use everybody else to support him. The offense should be funneling through your best player. And we say this every single week, and we finally saw it over the past two weeks. So that's something... It's something that just needs to be emphasized in this game. Don't get cute with it. Pat Shermer, you know, if you're trying to do whatever you can to keep your job, don't get cute with it, which you've continually done week in and week out. The the last thing that we learned from this game is that the Giants offensive line played well in the first half. And the reason why they played so well is that Eli was getting the ball out super quickly. The route concepts were not overly complex. It was quick throws, quick passes. I would say it was in the 2.5 second range of getting the ball out that quickly. And then towards the, the second half and towards the end of the game, they weren't doing that as consistently. So if, if you allow the offensive line to have less time to protect and you get the ball out quicker, the offense will just move more efficiently. On third down, second down, whatever it is, quick route concepts, screens, slants, drags, the things that are always open and available. Instead of putting yourself 
in a very stressful position of having to throw a little bit deeper on third and five or longer. Get it out quickly. Keep it simple. Don't get cute with it. Yeah, and I would say trying to get the ball out around two and a half seconds will be key in this game. Last week against Washington, we did see the Giants play a, I would say, very efficient brand of passing football. They didn't put too much on Daniel Jones's plate. They didn't have him do too many three, five-step drops or three, four, five-man reads in his progressions. They were one or two read throws. Is this receiver open? Yes. No. Is this is the next receiver open? Yes. No. Scramble, throw the ball away. That is a very quick process. And we saw his time to throw come down. And I think that was a big reason why the pass protection was able to hold up as well as it as well as it did. ESPN has been charting teams' pass rush win rates, and Philly has one of the best pass rush win rates in the NFL. They rank third. And they're only 2% behind the number one team. That is a pass rush to be respected and schemed around. Fortunately, that scheme more or less plays into the strengths of the Giants offense. So now we're going to take a transition to the defensive side of the ball, discussing the same things we did on the offensive side. But before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Now on to defense and against the Washington Redskins, there were a lot of issues on defense, particularly pass defense. So things that need to be fixed from the game against the Redskins, there's really only one major one, and that was the young corners having a lot of issues, just not being smart, making poor decisions like Corey Ballantyne did in the end zone, shoving a receiver. And then also DeAndre Baker, not cleanly getting out of his drops and making the right decision in when he should transition and attack a receiver. So things like that just need to be worked on, emphasized, can't allow that stuff to carry over and and turn into a reoccurring problem. A lot of that is just part of the development of a young cornerback. Last couple of weeks, we have seen the Giants secondary players kind of, I have said panic, but I don't also want to say panic. They have defaulted to defending the deep pass. They don't want to get beat deep, which no defense does. But opposing receivers have been able to use that and run their routes in such a way that they sell the deep pass and then come back for underneath passes. And the separation has been there. The good news for the Giants in this one is 
the Eagles do not have a Terry McLaurin. They don't have a Devontae Parker. They don't have the guys who can really scare an opposing secondary. They are very depleted at the wide receiver position. In fact, it was the first time these two teams met, they lost Alshon Jeffrey. By the end of the game, they only had one active receiver. This past week against Dallas, they managed to finish the game with three active receivers. But again, none of them are particularly scary. And really, the Giants' secondary just needs to be disciplined in dealing with them because they can cover them. You lined up the first thing that we learned from the loss a few weeks ago very perfectly. And the first thing here is that they are very still depleted at receiver. No Alshon Jeffrey, really not a lot of available weapons for Carson Wentz to use. And that was why during the game they transitioned to giving the ball to Boston Scott, uh, throwing the ball to Miles Sanders if they had the opportunity to, and additionally, working it out to their tight ends. And this is all the things that we're going to be covering here and the things that we learned from that last loss. But because they're so depleted, it, it creates more opportunities to stop any big games or any big gains from their receivers and their offense. That being said, though, they can't be so eager to stop a group of guys that are really average to below average. They need to be aware of their strengths and they need to be aware of where the Eagles are going to be trying to attack them. They, they can't get overly committed to stopping a group of receivers that aren't going to explode for 100 yards. That is the other side of the coin with playing an aggressive brand of coverage is you occasionally bite on double moves. You can miss, miss a jam. And if you do that, there's not really going to be any help over top. And even a not good receiver at the NFL level is still a good receiver and they can make you pay for mistakes. We don't want the giant secondary to play scared. We also don't want them to be aggressive to the point of being stupid about it. It is kind of a fine line to walk, but it's a line they're going to have to learn to walk as they mature as cornerbacks. And this could be a real maturity game because the last time they played, the young group had a pretty good game. Uh, DeAndre Baker had one of his best performances, and we're certainly hoping he does so again and that he can bounce back from a week that was a bit unimpressive against Terry McLaurin. Now, like you said, there's no Terry McLaurin for him to go against. So that makes his life a little bit easier this week. The other thing that we learned is that the Eagles are smart because they have good coaches and they immediately realized, hey, we don't have any receivers to get the ball to. Our tight ends are a weapon. But the, the big issue that the Giants defense has is they can't stop speed and especially at the running back position. The Redskins try to work in Chris Thompson, who's a small, shifty running back, and give him carries out of the backfield, which they very rarely do, uh, as alluded to by the announcers during the game. So the Eagles, what they did is they went to Boston Scott, their small, shifty, go-to running back that is almost Darren Sproles-esque because he's so tiny. Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Darren Sproles, but small, shifty, hard to tackle, it was his first time playing significant snaps against the Giants. And if they come out with that same approach in maybe not leaning on Miles Sanders to run the ball, but instead of getting Boston Scott in space, they need to be so technically sound 
in contain. They can't break contain. Defensive ends and outside linebackers need to be coming upfield knowing that even if it's run up the middle, Scott could be bouncing it to the outside. And the same thing goes for Miles Sanders, who is also a bit shifty. So be on the lookout for that. They're going to go right back to what worked for them in the second half of that game. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Darren Sproles because he, again, we're not saying that Boston Scott is Darren Sproles, but there are a lot of similarities in their games. You know, both guys are about five six, five seven, incredibly shifty, great stop start agility, and they're small enough they can hide behind offensive linemen, and it can be very difficult for a defender to track them. So that's just another area where the Giants' defense has to be disciplined. You know, we saw some really great discipline against Washington's offense, especially their running offense. And they need to bring that same discipline against Philly's rush offense. Of course, I think the last thing we're going to cover is probably the biggest difference. And I would say the Giants' biggest Achilles heel when it comes to defense. And that's going to be the tight end positions. Yeah, it's something that we discuss every single week. And this is a little bit different, though, for this game because they were willing to use Goddard, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz to funnel their offense through because they know they have two talented tight ends. And the Giants, we did learn that the Giants probably will have a hard time covering them. But the one thing that you need to consider for this game is that Zach Ertz played against the Dallas Cowboys with a fractured rib. So we don't know if he's going to play significant playing time Dallas Goddard's going to really be the guy that's out there playing the most. And um, maybe they don't run as many two tight end sets as they, they are notoriously known for running a lot of them. Maybe they don't do that as often because they don't want to overuse Zach Ertz in hopes of getting him healthy. Because, you know, as anybody that has played football, if you try to play with a rib injury or something bone related, if it's not broken or if it's just bruised, that stuff really hurts when you get tackled and when you get hit. You're going to be wincing every single time someone makes contact with you, whether it's getting tackled or if it's blocking. Something the Giants need to be on the lookout for. And in, in, in general, being prepared for crossing routes with tight ends, working the ball across the middle, um, just trying to throw the ball past the sticks to their big post-up tight ends is something that they love to do. So Alec Ogletree... And the rest of the Giants linebackers need to be wary of that. And whoever, maybe Michael Thomas and the safeties, Julian Love, need to be wary of that and can't be getting beat by their talented tight ends. Yeah, and you said the Eagles are notorious for running two tight end sets. Even if Ertz is not at 100%, which he won't be, and even if he doesn't play as many snaps as we're used to seeing from him, Josh Perkins is still a pretty good tight end. They're, they're number three. So he's going to be on the field a lot because the Eagles don't just run a lot of two tight end sets. They run more than anybody else in the the NFL, and it is not even close. Between running and passing plays this year, they have run 464 snaps in 12 personnel. That's one running back, two tight ends. It's 49% of their offense. The next closest is the Minnesota Vikings, who have run 312 snaps. That is a solid 152 snaps and a difference of, well, 13% of their offensive snaps. That is a lot of two tight end sets. So that's something the Giants 
basically should expect to see, especially considering their struggles in defending that, that's something they should expect to see almost every snap on Sunday. Uh, and and those for, the, for those that don't really know what those two tight end sets mean for a defensive scheme, it just means that they can be more versatile in showing looks that might not indicate directly indicate run or pass. It just gives them the option to have an extra big blocker out there because both of their tight ends are capable of blocking um, and they're not just strictly receiving tight ends. They can be run heavy if they choose to, but also have the ability to set up play action, run their RPOs, and also just straight up pass out of those two tight end sets. They're, They're usable, talented weapons, the both of them, if they play and, and using those multiple tight end sets, or even if they decided to go with a third tight end, just allows for them to disguise things and confuse an opposing defense, especially a young one for the Giants. So they need to be on the lookout for that. That is going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe. And thank you for listening to our last preview show. We will be giving you our quick takes and breakdown following the game as we typically do for the final game of the Giants season. Be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. Follow me at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Feel free to tweet at us any thoughts or questions you might have, especially during the offseason, teasing things a little bit here. If you have any questions, we are... Certainly willing to answer them, especially with the offseason coming around because there's so many names that you might not be aware of or people you might have questions about. Feel free to reach out to us and we can certainly answer those questions on the show or on social media. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more, strengthen security posture, and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.